Hey guys, welcome to another 10K Saturday episode. This week, Lulu and the world-renowned jazz musician Christian Tambor talk about creativity in isolation, collaboration, and... RVs. But before that, I just wanted to tell you about Buffy, the eco-friendly comforter sheets and pillows. Try the Buffy Breeze, the ultra-breathable eucalyptus comforter that keeps 95% of sleepers cool at night. Seven-day free trial with free returns. Go to 10kdollarday.com slash Buffy and use code FLUFF15 for 15% off. And now, let's hear about those RVs. And now, it's 10K Saturday with Alison and Lulu. Hi, everyone, and welcome to 10K Saturday from 10K Dollar Day. It's me, Lulu. If you're here, then thank you for being here. You're here on the Saturday, which means that we are about to talk to somebody fascinating about some really cool stuff. They're listening to me do an intro right now. That's never awkward, I swear. But you might have also heard Allison's and my voice on our other podcast. It's called The Daily Happy. That's a 10-minute podcast over in a completely other feed where we, I don't know, you know, talk to you in the morning or the evening just for 10 minutes a day. Check in with you guys, see how the world's going, all the good things. But this right now is the 10K Saturday. We're talking to Christian Tamber. Hey, Christian. Lulu, what's up? Oh, my gosh, my old friend. So nice to have you on here since you, you know, like, actually told me, why don't you ever have me on your podcast? (laughs) Okay. Oh, right. Well, it wasn't exactly. I mean, it was like subtle hints. I feel is kind of how it all kind of came to a line. But yeah, sure. It's great to be here. Just so serpentitiously. Just like the the name of your memoir, Kristen Tamber, subtle hints. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Listen, everyone. Christian is my friend. You're going to hear me talk to him in a real casual way, but he deserves a lot of respect everyone, because he's not just a vibraphonist, a pianist, a composer, and a ranger, as it says on his website. He's internationally renowned, and he can prove it because he is like every single city in the world in his bio. Um, I literally told him, because I've known Christian, I don't know, since before this bio was written, and I pulled it up, and I forget, honestly, I forget how much you do. I forget how much you've done, and I forget kind of everywhere that you've been and and what you do because you and I have like never performed together, right? Yeah, this yeah. this is it's it's crazy to have like such a long kind of friendship and just awareness of each other and each other's careers and realizing that they've always kind of kind of gone alongside each other, but we've never actually done the collaboration, uh, which is crazy to me. And I don't know why that is, but it's sometimes it's just like, it's just, it's just how it goes. But uh, yeah, we have to fix that soon. Well, I've been avoiding you for 20 years. So I, there is that. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That makes both of us well explained and it's been fun. <laughs> no. Well, you know, we, it, Christian is a jazz composer and player and arranger. And I think, honestly, you spent a huge amount of time when you first started in the music industry. And you were young. You were a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I was 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Just uh, trying, you know, going around to jazz clubs as all parents are super excited about. (laughs) It's crazy. And you were in on the Space Coast of Florida, which is does have actually really great community of musicians, but is not like one of the international jazz hotspots. So this journey for you must have been a lot of hustle. Yeah. I mean, I think whenever you choose the vibraphone, there's kind of a, 
you know, the idea that it's going to be a hustle uphill battle, you know, it's kind of a niche <laughs> instrument. Um, but no, you know, I was, you know, the Space Coast, um, Brevard County, in kind of its unique way, uh, had a lot of outlets for live music. Um, there were great little jazz clubs that were up along the beach and, uh, you know, great performing arts centers and places that were bringing live music to that area. And, you know, I think Central Florida and Florida as a whole has always been pretty good about that just because of the demographic of people that are from other places that are kind of seeking that kind of entertainment. So I was fortunate. And, you know, the close proximity to Orlando and, you know, the Disney connection, you brought so many great musicians, especially back when Disney kind of first opened. I mean, there were thousands of musicians on site every day doing events and performances. And those musicians came from all over the world. So like, if you looked at it kind of a bit like further back, even though it doesn't seem like an international music destination, there were international musicians living all throughout that area. And I was just able to benefit from that. So yeah, very lucky. You were around in Central Florida when you were tiny and young and a jazz prodigy. And you don't just play vibraphone. You play like everything. You play all percussion equally well. I feel that you are one of those guys that could just just play piano for one whole night. And then at the end of the night, switch it up and move over to drums to like blow your mind. Yeah. And then at 2 a.m., the vibraphone comes out and then all of a sudden you've got like seven mallets out and we don't even know what's happening. It's a circus trick. Yeah. You know, I mean, it came pretty at a certain point in my early 20s. I had to like stop some of it. It started to get ridiculous because it was just it was literally too much equipment to truck around. And like the vehicles were getting so big that I had to get like a commercial driver's license to get to gigs. And so, you know, I mean, you know, I never wanted to walk on stage and be just good enough. I always wanted to be like, I wanted to bring a certain level to walking on the stage of confidence and playing, but also, you know, finding the fact that the vibraphone and piano were going to kind of be my primary instruments. I love to play drums. I still have lots of drums laying around the house that are now more decorative than anything. But like the reality was, I knew I couldn't maintain on all of the different disciplines at, at, at the level I was comfortable at. So, you know, by the time I was 23, 24, the two primary instruments were either mallet percussion, vibraphone, marimba, or or piano. And, um, you know, everything else is just more fun. But I certainly don't go out there anymore uh, trying to, like, pretend I'm a drummer. <laughs> I can hire somebody to do that. <laughs> I saw you in a show. I saw you in a show. Yeah. I, I mean. Just drumming. Yeah, that's definitely something that I would have done. I mean, I'm also a musician. So like when the phone rings, they're like, do you play the kazoo professionally? I'm like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just depends on where you are. I love to play the drums. Like I will be seen playing the drums at like jam sessions where there's no accountability associated to what I, what may or may not happen with me behind the drums. Um, that, that for me, those are, those are like fun moments, you know, but when I'm playing like the vibes or I'm playing piano, those are usually things where there's some sort of tie to my professional livelihood that I should be doing it at a certain level. But yeah, I'm sure you probably saw me behind lots of bizarre instruments over our, over our friendship, but. <laughs> What's your favorite instrument to play? Oh man, that's hard. Do you just noodle around at all for yourself ever on anything? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it's interesting because I do a lot of composition work now. And, you know, one of the great things about having at least a general knowledge of a lot of different instruments, not that you have to play them great, but that you can understand how they, how they function in an ensemble or the different 
ways that they can kind of voice themselves in a performance is that it doesn't limit you to just those two primary instruments as like my muse. So, um, yeah, when I'm sitting or working on maybe writing something new, you know, I'll, I'll pull up a, a guitar patch or I'll pull up a different instrument just so that it's a different sound to, to influence the creative process. But do I sit around and practice? Absolutely. So I've had a lot of time to practice over the past year. Um, <laughs> as any, as every musician has, Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it is like, I think prior to COVID, the practicing and the work that I was doing behind my instruments were always on the cusp of something that was about to happen professionally, right? There was always a gig that we were prepping for or a tour that was getting ready to be launched. There wasn't that general like upkeep on the facility practicing, like the type of practicing we used to do back when we were in school, which is like, you know, for horn players or vocalists might be long tones or voice control or things like that. Like there isn't time for that in the real world. And and Mm -hmm. there should be right. But for the first time in a long time, I was practicing and working on material that was just because it was how I was feeling that day or was influenced by something that was happening around me. And I don't know, like, I, that 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 was becoming more of a, a a rarity in my career, and so it was kind of a nice reflective perspective on you know how I can try to integrate that and keep that as we move back into the new norm of you know our careers now. You make it sound so productive this pandemic. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, there. I mean, th- that practice time was equally balanced with like crying in the corner of the shower. So it, it's like. And, and just going back to the bed and skipping a day, hoping that maybe it would just all be better on like Wednesday. Um, but no, no, no. Yeah, no. Trust me. I, I try to make it be productive. But there I think for all of us, like there's a certain point we just hit a wall. You're like, well, this just this sucks. And so, yeah, no, it wasn't all it wasn't all like silver lining through the whole thing. It was like days of like greatness and then days of like, oh, this really stinks. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And I think as as creative people, depending on, you know, what where you were isolating or what was happening, maybe the stuff that made you the most creative was or was not with you. So a lot going on. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've always said that, like, one of the interesting things about that this time has been the the you know as musicians as performers we're, we're we thrive on interaction and collaboration right and we're we've taken that for granted when we get together and just step on stage with people that we enjoy working with and collaborating with and all of a sudden we became isolated right and so in this unique technologically advanced world of zooms and you know virtual meetings you know there were these ideas of connecting with people and reconnecting with people that maybe weren't part of that norm um, and now, you know, the collaborations are with people that, uh, you know, from other parts of the world that, you know, have, have kind of churned out some really interesting, um, you know, projects or songs or ideas or concepts. And so I'm thankful for that because I'm, I'm in touch with more people now, uh, creatively speaking and collaboratively speaking than I was before, um, the, you know, the, the COVID thing. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you do have some stuff going on and we were able to see you. So Allison and I saw you in Lumberton, North mm-hmm. Carolina mm-hmm. last October, you were recording at the Carolina civic theater with Shauna Tucker as part of chamber soul, which you're now going out and performing places. Are you going to places and doing things? Yeah, it's a really bizarre um, 
kind of transition period, you know, because for a long time there was no going anywhere. It was all like kind of this gluing it together from everybody's home studio, which depending mm -hmm. on you know, what that was like was always very interesting. Um, but, you know, it was like what we had to do, right? And then venues that were operating with, that were still able to be open, um, you know, still had some sort of year allocation of funding. So they had the ability to bring artists in, um, but obviously no audience. So then what we started the kind of transition to was this, well, okay, we'll bring the band in and we'll spread everybody out on the stage so they're socially distanced. And then we'll live stream the entire group of musicians performing at once out to the audience, right? Which is just, you know, so much better from a musician standpoint, because now, you know, you're not trying to like sync to some sort of click track or do it all virtually and glue all the video together. And I mean, I mean, now at this point, I'm like a professional at Final Cut Pro just trying to make a song <laughs> sound good. I, I know. But, you know, right. It's like all these new skills that I've had to learn to be able to continue making music. But <laughs> my God. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that we're able to all be together in a kind of limited capacity and perform as one is great it's incredibly odd to finish a song. Well, A, not to have an audience, right? So there's none of that feedback. But then to like get done with that first song and you almost forget for a moment because you're like in the zone playing with the band and then the song ends and then there's like silence or like a very little applause speaker from the 30 or 50 or 100 people on the Zoom call. It's, it's very bizarre. And so that's now transitioned to venues that can have limited capacity um, and you know, those, those, those audiences are anywhere between 50 to a hundred people, depending on the size of the space, um, and maybe even less. And that is great, but it is also very strange to go, like we did a show last week in Carrollton, Georgia, uh, where the venue sat over 800 people, uh, and there was only, where there was really only 80 people allowed to be in the venue. So oh, wow. when you spread 80 people out into a huge theater, that energy dissipates like so they yeah. could be clapping like and hooting and hollering but it's still it's like wait are they out there somewhere I don't, you know so it, it's it's so it's oh, this weird God. transition time so yes is the long this is a long answer yes we are performing for people to a limited capacity but at least there's some like warm bodies out there which is great well i didn't really think about that because i've thought about it with restaurants Hold on. I'm going to get to the, I'm going to explain my point really well in just a second. So you know how in restaurants before, in the before times, mm -hmm. if you saw a restaurant that was nearly empty, you were like, ooh, people hate that restaurant. Right. No one's in there. I'm not going in there. And now right. I see a restaurant that's full and I'm like, absolutely uh, not. But if not there's going one in table. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if there's only like two tables, I'm like, oh. Let's go in there. No one else is in there. We'll eat there. And I didn't think about that in terms of audiences where in the past, if I saw a half house and they were literally spread everywhere in the house, you'd right. be like, why didn't they clump them together? It's so hard to perform right. with. You're right, because the energy goes out. And I think maybe if everyone, if you don't perform on stage, you don't really understand like how it feels on that side when the audience is spread out but now maybe i'll look at that and go well at least i won't get sick yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least we won't you, die you'll be like no I, ticket I, sales they'll go well you've only sold 30 percent i'll be like well you know we'll all go home healthy <laughs> <laughs> 
winning, winning. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Like I, I mean, I've always, I, I, I mean, how many times have I looked? I, and I, I, it's such a great point. Like you walk out, and maybe like it's early in the run, and yeah, as you said, it's like a half house. But like everybody seems to be thirty rows back from the front of the stage. You're like, why didn't yeah. you get like? And then you actually start talking to the ushers. You're like, can you can you just move everybody? you know, towards the thing that they're all here to see. I don't know if you can see that there's literally hundreds of seats that are empty. They're not all going to show up. So can you, can you just come closer? And like, that's now like, so now it's bizarre. But again, I think even just knowing that there's people out there spread out as they may be, uh, there is still um, an energy and an accountability. And I think that's an interesting kind of thing. Cause when you're taping, like, you know, you can always hit stop and do it again. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can always try it over when you're live, you have to go for it. There's like mm-hmm. no take backs. Right. And I think everybody performs differently. And that's been a big change is like essentially going from being comfortable performing live and occasionally going into the studio and recording to essentially turning into like television product producers and doing like TV production because that's what it's been. We've been on four or five camera shoots shooting film or video. So um, having audiences, I don't care where they are. Yeah, <laughs> it's no like, kidding. You know, it's just <laughs> nice to have them. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, theater is being redefined. Live performance is being redefined. And I think that you are redefining what you do because you're not just touring and producing and arranging anymore you're doing some new work and you were telling me about this project you're doing called sounds for sculpture which sounded amazing because you're not just talking about marrying and collaborating with performance artists but now visual artists as well right for the first time well how should i answer this um when i was about 23 or 24 years old I, i had only been performing live And at that age, you know, a lot of things were changing and it was the first opportunity for me to start working and writing music for something other than just musical performance. And I was working with Penn & Teller. I was working, Mm -hmm. starting to do some music for film and, you know, essentially as a composer or where is the point of inspiration? It was no longer just a musical internal point of inspiration. It was now somebody showing me something, showing me a scene, showing me a moment either on on film or in theater and saying, I need the music that accompanies this. What is the emotional journey musically that accompanies this moment? And so I've always loved that, right? I've always loved to be kind of like that second part of the conversation, the non-spoken part of it, right? Um, And we think about how influential underscore can be for a movie or for a a moment in film or TV or theater. Um, You know, even if it's not a, a sung moment, it's just... It's just this emotional body of music that's kind of carrying the tension or the happiness or whatever it might be. And so I've always really enjoyed that creative process. Um, when it was uh, 2018, I was on the grounds for sculpture, which is a beautiful museum that houses all of Seward Johnson's sculptures. It's an outdoor botanical garden. And I was just really overwhelmed by just the gardens themselves, but these sculptures and how they set them into what felt like these life-size scenes that you could walk into. And uh, you just kind of have to be there to see it, but you kind of come upon this sculpture and these sculptures can be life-size, they can be larger than life, and they've surrounded them and kind of created this environment where you're almost stepping into the moment. Even though they're frozen and the action is frozen, it's like 
you know, you can kind of do that 360 and walk around and see all the things, um, you know, we've seen that kind of effect in movies before, but, and I said to myself, you know, I can, I, I can hear the music, I, you know, the sounds for sculpture and uh, the artist that I was working uh, with, uh, that it was a vocalist that I was uh, working with there at, at that venue was like, you should do it. And, you know, it was my first time producing my own type of project like this, where there was um, like, it was multi-sensory, right? And the, the, and my idea was, why not, you know, like, why not capitalize on another entirely different genre of people who appreciate the arts, right? And so what would the benefit be of collaborating with a, a sculptor or a photographer or a, a dancer or whatever it might be where um, the music, in addition to that other art, now uh, exponentially grows the experience for both for both genres, right? And so somebody who loves sculpture that might not necessarily be as big of a jazz fan is now experiencing sculpture with the influence of that music. And somebody who's a, a music lover, a jazz uh, aficionado um, is now experiencing that music with the, the visual inspiration of where that actually was created from. And, you know, and so that's what really drove me to create this kind of new collaborative project. So can you describe what my experience would be? Is is your music in that space? Yes and no. So the project is initiated at for me just as an as an album project where um the relationship with the Seward Johnson Atelier uh, allowed me to essentially use select whatever sculpture images or whatever sculptures I wanted and then would use that sculpture to as like the inspiration point to create the music. And, uh, and originally it was just starting as this will be in a body of music that is inspired by sculptures. And, uh, when, uh, we had the opportunity to premiere it at Lincoln center, um, in 2019, um, we wanted, we knew that the big, the big experience here was to be able to allow people to also see the point of inspiration. So we actually able to bring, huge canvases with the images of the sculpture so that as we went song by song, people could see, I could kind of direct them to which sculpture was the next song that they were hearing. And it gives them their own kind of vantage point that I, I don't think an audience normally gets. Um, and so whenever we, we perform it, we either project the images or video of the sculpture um, of each sculpture uh, associated with the song that we're playing. And then now up in, um, in the museum, um, you have the ability to actually download the, the, the music and walk around. And as you come across a sculpture that has music associated with it, you can, you can listen to it and see how that changes your experience. And so, um, it was important for Seward that when we agreed to do the collaboration that there, the, 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 the person experiencing the art could choose how they decided to engage with the art. Meaning if they wanted to do it silently, they could do that. If they wanted to add the music element, they could do that, but that it wasn't, it was never really forced. Um, and so I love that. I love that. You could just listen to the music and really never even look at the sculptures and just say, Hey, that's a, that's a beautiful body of work or, you know, in the same way with the sculptures. Right. Um, but if you combine them, it's just a, it's a different way to experience it. I think, Collaboration comes really easily to jazz performers. Yeah. Because. Yeah. yeah. Not just because of like the, oh, everyone in the jazz group has ideas, but because, uh, <laughs> because even repertoire wise, I think in jazz, it's different. There's, there's more of a sense, I think, of like 
of playing with songbooks that exist yes. and collaborating on literature that already exists. And I think that sometimes in the other genres of music, it's not seen as great to collaborate all the time and people want you to create your original stuff like a hundred percent of the time. Right. Uh, so I think that that interpretation quality of jazz is in your personality. Yeah. I think that the, first of all, you know, I mean, jazz musicians, especially young jazz musicians, they can't wait to um, play the melody of the song and get that out of the way <laughs> so that they can start to play all of their improvised, you know, made up stuff. Right. So they're all eager. Like, it's almost like, ah, oh, it's like, you have to do that. Right. Um, but there is there. I mean, it's true. And like, as you get older, like, and you're always telling musicians, like as they're crafting how to improvise or how to, how to create the spontaneity of what jazz is about, you know, creating new melodies is that it should always be reflective and, and, um, acknowledge the original melody of the song. Right. Um, it should always sound like the melody of the song, um, transitions into the improvised solo, which is a continuation of the idea just interpreted differently by the artist who's improvising, right? Um, and I think that the openness of of the style of music, that there is an expectation that at some point in this song, we're all going to go on this journey together and we're going to react based upon how that that improvised melody might move throughout the ensemble. There is an openness to this kind of controlled chaos that leads to sometimes really amazing things. And so um, versus maybe a, a more of a legit or classical player where the, the, what happens over the period of beginning to end of a song in many ways um, is, is somewhat dictated by what's on the sheet. And of course that person is bringing their artistic sound and quality to how they interpret that on the paper. But when the paper goes away and it's all just kind of in the moment, I think the collaboration that happens in the moment amongst an entire group of musicians, especially in jazz, is to me like the magic sauce. That's why we do it, right? Um, you walk off stage going, oh, that one thing you played, that was crazy. And then we did that thing and we all seemed to do it at the same time. And like, we, you played that thing and then we we're all like, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, like a, it's a conversation. And I, I love that. And I agree. I think that the style of jazz does um, allow for that more collaborative mindset um not to say that others don't but just that i think it's more it's kind of more of the standard uh with the with with a jazz musician or jazz ensemble yeah i do uh one of your songs in at in my book oh you don't even know i wrote lyrics to one of your songs and it, i did it in a show in new york and now it's just in my book. Oh my gosh, I don't remember getting a check for that, but um, I'll have to go back and hmm, look. Well, <laughs> yeah, I told you I've been avoiding you for twenty years. Remember? <laughs> told you. That's why. Oh my and, gosh, uh, that's amazing. I'm honored. Yeah, you know what? It's not so much that I stole your song as much as I'm collaborating with you. I love that in a jazz space. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're just uh, exp yeah, very nice. <laughs> I just wanted to keep that uh, that working relationship alive. Yeah. <laughs> All it is. What's well? I have to ask what song it is. Of course, it's "Sailing Serenity." <gasps> very nice. Yeah, that's a. I like the tune. Yeah, yeah. I have a yeah. whole. I have a. I have lyrics written for it that are like about a very specific uh, point in time. So, wow, that's you didn't fantastic. Know that? Well, no. How would I? Well, I mean, you just told me. I mean, I know now. I think everybody knows now. 
this is this is amazing. I again, like, I wish more people would say that, like, or like reach out to me and be like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing." Not because like I would say no, but just because I love to know that people are that inspired to like okay, add an- whole time. another level. First of yeah. all, I'm like 99.9% sure that I said, hey, Christian, is it cool if I write lyrics to Sailing Serenity and do it in my show? Yes, yes. Uh, being that I still have an AOL ag- address, it's possible that might have been lost in the mix. Well, that is this true. is, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it's a whole nother that podcast for a whole nother day. Uh, no, I... <laughs> Uh, you're going to tell me my net my Netscape browser isn't worth uh, keeping on. No, I. Oh, I I'm just- yeah, everyone, don't forget if you look for Christian today on AskJeeves.com, his website's going to come right, right up. up, right up, yes, up. for sure. All right, uh, we're going to transition into our questions that Christian has chosen not to have in advance. Okay, and so. It's real casual, Christian. If I asked you these questions, maybe even tomorrow, maybe even at nine o'clock tonight, you might have different answers. Love it. Okay. Okay. Okay? So just answer the way you want to answer. Okay. It's not stressful. Not at all. So my first question, my friend, my old friend is, what are you obsessed with right now? Oh, wow. What am I obsessed with right now? This is going to sound very random, but anybody who knows me will be like, yeah, that sounds about right. I really want an RV. And I am obsessed right now with... I uh, yeah yes check this out so, you love driving big I things do so uh, yes so I, I it's just it's a thing so especially during like COVID <laughs> like everybody's been like oh I don't want to pl- fly on planes anymore and like I'm like oh my gosh how am I going to move a band around the country and so I've started looking into like okay can I actually afford to buy my own tour bus and I was like uh no but. <laughs> <laughs> what other options are there? And so I've been, I know this is probably not the answer that you were expecting, but I, I am sadly like trolling the RV trader um, interwebs looking for like an old school tour bus because I'll be real honest with you. Like I am that person who like looks at, like I was at a restaurant the other night uh, with my wife and, and, and like all these young kids kind of came in. There was like a group of eight of them and they all sat at the same table. And I was like, we have to get out of here. The germs, the germs. You know, I was just like, <laughs> I'm know, very much that person now. And so I'm like, so like, same. so that is kind of this weird thing that I'm obsessed with at the moment. Um, and I'm just, I'm putting positive energy out into the universe. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh, you're going to love driving that thing around. Oh, I cannot wait. I just... cannot wait. It's going to have an air horn, big tires, diesel engine. Oh, it's gosh. it's just it's just great. It's just great. When you were on tour, didn't you drive part of the yeah, way? Yeah, so I did a big tour. You, like, love driving things. Yes, I, I do. You know what it is? You know what it is? And maybe this is what the, uh, obs- uh, like, obsessed with thing is, is, like, I've always been a bit of a control person. And with musicians who are not necessarily uh, known for being on time for anything or being all that reliable, um, we, you know, it's nice to know they're all in one space and moving from one point to another all in one space. And so there's something very gratifying of knowing that, like, 
You're, they're all in the bus. We're going to this city now. And as long as I drive them there, they'll arrive and show up and play the gig. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe it's my controlling part of things. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it's probably, again, yet again, another podcast for another day. <laughs> I just, I just love, I love that you're like the germaphobe control freak jazz guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm now. like the uh, the Howie Mandel of jazz. I I think that's our generation now, though. I think like in 30 years, kids are going to be going, oh, you know, she's one of those pandemic people, and she's like well, always wants to clean things, and yeah, it, and that was never. I mean, I've, I'm not like a dirty person, but I've never been an OCD person or like a germy person. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, that has changed, friends. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's changed. Yeah. It's all no, changed. I open every door with a napkin now, <laughs> like. Even in my home. So, oh, <laughs> so yeah. And I used to be like a five second rule person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. We, I'd be like, I mean, guys, that's yeah. fine. It's, just, it's, no. it's, it's good. <laughs> I, dirt. I, my immunity is going to go way up. No. Now, literally, I will drive past places just to judge people. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, I'll, be, I'll drive the perimeter road at the mall just shaking oh, my head look at the cars at the, and Look the at these people lot. out there <laughs> shopping. Look at them shopping over there. How dare they shop? I'm such a judgy person. I'm like at CVS and I'm going, oh, I'm sorry. Is it window shopping time here? It's in and out, people. You got to know what you want and get out of here. I don't care if that's a new product. We're not staying at the end cap. If you spend more than eight to ten minutes at a CVS, there's probably a bigger discussion that needs to be had on yet another (gasps) podcast. Wait a minute. No. Yeah. Are you kidding no, me? No. Abs- no. 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 Hard pass. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Hard pass. Let me tell you something. Mm. I can spend an hour in that. Really. And have a great you know. Time. I know where you get. To, I know oh. where you get. Here's the only place I will give you the out. And if you say it's the aisle okay. where they say only on TV, <laughs> and it's that section, <laughs> I may or may not allow like an extra ten to fifteen minute buffer on that because I am fascinated by some of the stuff that I've only seen on TV that is now available. Wait. There's a store in Orlando. Christian. I have heard about this. Yes. I've been to that it. That sounds amazing. I've been to I it. Will. It's it's like a warehouse store and it's just stuff <laughs> as seen on TV and it's great. It's great. Like other than that, like get in, get your Sierra Mist, pick up <laughs> your your Kleenex box and your prescription and get out. I don't like no, we don't need I a listen, whole it, But in yeah. before times, I'm telling you, it was like my favorite. My oh. dad used to get so annoyed because every time he went to the drugstore, my mom would start to get out of yeah. the car and he'd be like, "No, Girls stay in the car because we never get out of the drugstore alive. Because <laughs> right. if you let You're me like, into a drugstore and I've got a little time and money to kill, I, I mean, I right. don't know. Maybe those vitamins mean something to my body. I'll buy them. No, I mean, you, you've been meaning to trans, transfer all of those nine million photos into three by five printed <laughs> photos. <laughs> <laughs> at the little kiosk. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, you need batteries for your Walkman. And, you know, I mean, oh, I gosh. know it must, uh, oh, there's just no, all the you things. Know what? Yeah. The words that you. you are using just shows me you don't know how to go to a drugstore. This is true. This is true. But I'm in and out on those kind of Ooh, situations. Gosh. So, nope, you know. not me. Yeah. I, I, I love a browse. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, everyone. We've taken the browse away from me. No. But I'm telling you right now, I I miss it. I miss my I miss my drugstore brows a lot. Fair enough. Okay, Fair enough. that's a good thing to be obsessed with, though. 
It's a good thing to be obsessed with. Yeah. I think, oh, well, let's back up. The RV. We're back at the RV. The RV is a good thing to be obsessed yeah, with. Yeah, RV. All right. Second question. Well, RV is not the answer to this question, even though it could be. But what's on your yes. wish list? Yeah, it's going to be the RV. Um <laughs> like I need that RV. I need it. Okay. No. What are you looking for in this RV? No. Because no, I want to ask you because Allison and I were looking at RVs to do our trip right. with, and we ruled it out. We finally went with minivan. Right. Yeah. So a, my first question to you is: I'm going to ask you a two-parter. A. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been in an RV, uh, driven an RV before? And B. Are you ready for this sewage situation? Yes. Okay. So. I will answer. Yes, I have driven many uh, 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 coaches. Uh, see, here's the thing: there's different tiers, and depending on what people call it, it's generally a different uh, a price point, right? So, an RV has kind of got like a certain price point, and then you've got a a private coach that's like the next level, and then if you have a a bus, that's like that's like you know oh, that's, a top that's level, good. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got to separate them into, you know, travel trailer, all these kind of things. I can't believe we're talking about this. But um, no, you know, uh, yes, I have driven many of them. I really enjoy it. I love it. I love I just love big machinery. I, you know, always have. Um, And the sewage situation. Yeah, I mean, you've done tours on buses, right? You've done like you yeah, know, but I never had to tours. be in charge of that before, and that lit- yeah, that but- honestly was the was the deal breaker with us for the RV. We were like, no, not going to do it. Yeah, but there's 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 very specific rules. There's no number two on the bus. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. 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 If you got to if you got to handle other business, you, you you wait until you get to where you're going. Um, and so that eliminates some of the sewage issues, but yeah, no, I mean, nowadays there's like a button that you push and it kind of all just like, you do technically still have to hook up the hose, but you don't have to like, you know, pull like a valve and just be that close to the situation. But you know what? I'm all good with it. It's, it's all good. I, I I'll manage it. <laughs> but uh, okay, I do want to answer your question oh. other than like, you know, other than camping centric, because I do feel like, you know, like people are like, oh, my God, what is wrong with this guy? Um, no, these are the so- exclusive type of conversations that come out of 10K Saturday. People are like, remember when she had this world famous jazz musician on and they talked about RVs? <laughs> like, yeah, weird. Yeah. So why do we still why do we still subscribe to that? Okay. Uh, yeah, no. In 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 all honesty, and it's gonna seem kind of silly. It's just it, it's just I'm really looking forward to being back in a place where th- the normalcy of making m- music with other people I enjoy making music with is something that can be done safely and in in under normal circumstances. I'm lucky that my family's been healthy and we've all been kind of managing through this. Um, but you know, like as a personal wish list, just to like you know, be back into a, a normal sense of doing what I love to do, performing for audiences and, and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's definitely on the top of the list. Oh, yeah. you're making my heart hurt, but yes, I agree. <sighs> yeah. I know it's insane to think how long it's been since that, yeah. since I've done that. It's insane. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, like, Sometimes gigs are hard to come by anyway. And if you were going through that right before the pandemic, it's literally been so long. Yeah, I was doing my 2020 taxes, which took about six minutes um, because (laughs) (laughs) two months of profit. Anyway, uh, I was looking at my schedule and I I was actually shocked at what my normal was in the Mm. framework of like, 
how busy I actually book myself. And, you know, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family at home over, and, uh, you know, it's been great that the, the, the dad that I think every dad wants to be, you know, being there at every step of the, 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 the moment as your, as your child's getting older and exploring new things and, and just being a part of that family dynamic is something that, you know, I think I always tried to balance, but you know, there was always the, well, I got to get to the next gig and where's the next tour and all that kind of stuff. And so looking back at like January and February schedule, and then the complete drop off to Mar- you know, March and April where everything just went blank to now how I'm kind of trying to find the new balance of what is not traveling as much um, and still being able to do what I love to do. Um, it's going to be different. It's, it has to be different because I really I actually don't want to go back to the way it was. Uh, the beginning of 2020, because I mean, just looking at it was like, oh my, oh my gosh, how how is this even working? Mm-hmm. And um, and so um, I always felt like I've been aware of that, and it's something that I always I, is important, especially anybody who's like in relationships uh, through as an artist, like in dealing with all the things that kind of have to happen in order to allow us to go and do the things we do. You know, travel and being away from home is just sometimes part of the necessary evil, but. I don't want, I don't want to give up this other stuff that now I've gotten exposed to, which is like, you know, just like every morning and every night, you know, putting my daughter just in the bed and like doing all the things. And like, I need to find, and I want to find a better balance for that. Um, and I, I'll make it work. I'll have to make it work. So. Yeah. I think one of the gifts of the pandemic, even though that's a weird phrase, mm-hmm. is that our generation really got a chance to sit back and go, Hey, are you doing what you want to do? Which right. most people don't have in their lives. They don't sure. have a a period where you where you just stop and you literally think about your life and go, should I change my career? Do I want to do this? Was this hustle worth it? Should I stay right. home more? Is this the person I want to be staying home with? You know, all of those things, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, As an artist, it's a, it's a controlled fall. You know, it's like, it's like landing, it's like landing a plane, right? Like you, you only, you're, you're, you're just trying to control the direction of what's going on as best as you can, knowing that it's hopefully falling towards a direction that you want it to, but it is kind of, it is, you're, you're trying to just hold all the things together. Um, I think it's very seldom that you talk to a musician or an artist and you're like, Hey, when was the last vacation you went on? Or when was the last time you just took a couple of weeks off? Yeah. Like <laughs> we don't, we don't do that. And like, not that like, you know, you have to, but my goodness, there's some really healthy qualities to just taking a break um, and not saying that <laughs> you need, you literally know you need a global pandemic for artists to take a break. But, <laughs> you know, I think there is some, again, there is that, that evaluation of oneself that starts to occur, the decisions as to like, what was I doing? I know what I'm not, I know what I'm doing right now. What do I want to do when I'm able to go back and make the decisions as to what the path forward is. And uh, I think that's, I think that is the, uh, one of the gifts that we've been given perspective on. Yeah. 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 And look, our friendship made it past the pandemic. We got that going for See? us. <laughs> we could have excited this like in March. It could have been like, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> Third question. If you had, $10,000 right now to do anything, what would you spend it on? 
Oh, wow. That's a good question. And when I said that you sh- I was going to do this real time, I realized that in thinking through some of the answers to this question, I would have to talk in order to fill the space because no, otherwise it would I literally edit. be... I edit things. You do. I can oh, edit good. thinking time So you're going to edit all of this. Oh, I well, edit everything. I, I, I'm gonna. I could have. I could have just. I've been. I could have been cussing the entire time. I had oh, no idea. Oh, could you? I, that would I, make I, my life like, this afternoon so great. That'd be so awesome. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Um, if I had ten thousand dollars, what what would I? You know what? Uh, um, you <laughs> sadly did a lot of home renovation here, as everybody did over the past couple of years. <laughs> um, I would actually. You know, I I I have I had my 40th birthday last year. And it was like in the thick of like everything shutting down. And I had planned a, a nice vacation, believe it or not, like had blocked time in the schedule. Um, and then, of course, you know, everything got canceled. Nobody went anywhere. And I cried a lot in the shower. Um, so I think if I had $10,000, I would probably put together a really nice like first vacation for the family to kind of go and just take it down a notch. And I know that's a lot of money, um, but I feel like I would need a lot of frozen drinks um, for, you know, kind of just being brought to me on a, on a very consistent, like from morning, noon and night. And um, you know, just being able to go sit on a beach and just like not have to wear a mask or something like that. So I think I would, I I think I would book a, a trip somewhere where we could go and just like, you know, Caribbean it out and beach it out and just, frozen drink it out and that that would be a good use of the money yeah that'd be a great use of the money family vacation is a great use of the money yeah and frozen drinks is a fantastic use of the money if you ask me yes so absolutely i don't think you can go wrong (laughs) oh fourth question yes if you had ten thousand dollars to give away how would you give it away right now uh so um you know, there's a lot of people that um, during this time, I think, are, are, are struggling. Um, artists, everybody, right? Um, and I've been, I, I sit on a few different boards um, that kind of have been helping artists uh, find funding for their ability to just kind of maintain while gigs are slow. Um, and there's a couple of different organizations that are really good about kind of making sure that, you know, people can really pay the bills through this time. So if I had the money to give away, I think I I would um, try to pay it forward to the, to the people that don't have the ability to really make those ends meet, but we still need to make sure that their art survives and that their creativity can continue to survive. Um, You know, I, I, I watch a lot of stuff on the news about all the different you know, a stimulus things that are coming out. And like, occasionally there's like an mention of the arts and musicians or theaters or performing arts centers and things like that. And like, but it's like comparatively to everything else, it's just kind of like, there's this entire industry of people that literally their work stopped, right? Uh, it didn't mm-hmm. change. It stopped. And so um, I, I, I think I would try to find a, an outlet to be able to help some folks that are dealing with that, um, you know, have a little bit easier way of moving forward until things are back to the way they should be. What a world. Right? Yeah. It's just it's so crazy. It's so crazy to me about how there's just all of these people with creative potential just kind of treading water right now around the world. It's insane. Right. 
Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. I hope, uh, you know, they keep calling it in the hospitality industry, they call it um, that there'll be revenge travel, which is kind of like my $10,000, you know, Caribbean uh, frozen oh. drink vacation. Um, they're calling it revenge travel. I have not travel, heard and, that before. That's Oh, cool. yeah. It's super cool. And it's like, yeah, we're over this. It's it's done. And we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to go somewhere and do something and just because you know nobody's traveling and all that kind of stuff and so it's they're calling it revenge travel so i'm just hoping that there's going to be like revenge jazz or something like that and people will be like yeah we're finally over it let's go hear some bebop and a vibes player that wrote songs about sculptures yeah (laughs) maybe not i don't know oh gosh it's probably higher likelihood of meeting those people on the beach with frozen drinks so I mean, listen, right now I would take a gig on the beach next to the guy handing out the frozen drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hashtag honesty. Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. How funny. many keys can I do brown eyed girl in? Okay, so uh, that's okay. question four. <laughs> my last question, Christian, what's your happy today? Yes. What makes you happy? Oh, what's my happy today? My daughter went to school uh, dressed as uh, it's like Dr. Seuss. I I guess there's like some Dr. Seuss vibe going on right now in the news, of course, because we don't have anything else to talk about. We're like, let's find all the things. Listen, I'll take it. No, no, no. I'll take it. Our news has calmed down so much in the past three months. I will get, listen. We actually have the bandwidth to deconstruct and unpack the, the problems with Dr. Seuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a plus. It's a plus. So anyway, she was dressed uh, for school today in, uh, in like thing, thing to shirt as a like Dr. Seuss kind of outfit. And she, she just came down. So Sarah's, you know, there's something so amazing about like young kids that like – they've kind of just adapt. I think a lot of kids have, have adapted, especially like at the, the younger age, because they didn't really know a whole lot or remember a whole lot beforehand. So like, this just kind of seems like, Oh, we're doing the mask thing now. Yeah, cool. Whatever. I got masks. Like that's it's got, the way you know, the world is. Yeah. yeah I've got, you know, they're like projecting Elsa and Anna on her mask. Like it's just another way of telling every <laughs> other human being that, you know, she's obsessed with frozen and frozen too. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's just like, there's something like she comes downstairs. So kind of like, obviously oblivious to all the other baggage that like we as adults are kind of dealing with, whether it's work, career, you know, um, all, all the things, right. Um, like she just kind of came home down and was like, so excited to have like these socks on today. And I was just like, <laughs> man, Man, like to go through the whole day just like with a smile ear to ear being like, what are you so happy about? Like, dude, check out these socks. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's like it's so simple. And like, like I, I just I'm trying to remember the last time like, like you just like could could do that as an adult. It's just like eventually that rolls off, you know, but man, she just came down today so excited about doing her thing. And like, I realized like her little mismatched socks were like making her world today, which there in turn makes my world, you know? So uh, that that's my happy this morning. That's a really good happy. That's so cute. <laughs> so cute. All right. Uh, where can people find you besides emailing you at AOL? <laughs> I know you can go to uh, <laughs> you can go to ChristianTamper.com, of course. Yeah. But you are also uh, first of all, you're killing out on Instagram. You, yeah. You're you're so good. You're like the kids. You're like the kids on the social media, Christian. 
with your content and your seminars and listen, your Instagram you, lives. You're killing oh it. Oh my gosh. Oh, listen, like you are a big uh, influencer on this, just so you know. You know because when <laughs> I, I remember connecting with you being like, so tell me about this talk tick thing. And you're like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> Is it We're just learning it together. We're it's, just it's, learning it together. Tell me it's the okay. tic-tac. Okay, how to tic-tac. And so um, <laughs> it's like, I love those, the orange ones. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I've kind of found a, a bit of a, an interesting niche uh, on Instagram, which is like taking my ridiculous humor, uh, sense of humor that I, I, I actually try to exhibit all the time. And so it's like when I'm leading a band or talking to an audience, I'm, I I love to make people laugh or smile. And I don't, I don't, it's just, it's, it's enjoyable to me. Um, and so now there's like this way of like trying to capture that and somehow share it with people through, through the social thing. And I, to me, it's a lot less stressful than like trying to put up like some sort of burning vibraphone solo, which, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, when you, you, you do like a promotion or something on like that, it's like, you know, you put the different countries and places you want the promotion to go on Instagram. So like, you know, you put like United States, United Kingdom, Japan, it's like 400 million people too broad. You're, you're, your spectrum's too bad, too broad. And then you're like, interests. And then you put like vibraphone and it's like 600 people. Perfect. <laughs> it's like, yep, I mean, there it is. I didn't, I've never in my life heard anybody use the phrase burn in vibraphone solo. So yeah, I'm just excited the- <laughs> that we've got that on tape. Yes. I will tell you though, because I have seen you do a burn in vibraphone solo in the past. Yes. Yes. And, I think it's it's insane how beautiful that instrument is. And I think it's an instrument mm. people don't normally hear by itself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, and I love I, mean, I love watching you play that. I think it's Well, amazing. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun to play. I love it. I it is a very physical instrument, so you know, there's a lot of movement involved. Um and you yeah, know your I, face I, gets weird when you play it. Your face yeah, is I, got, ah, I, I love the vibraphone. I love the vibraphone so much. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> and I'm always this checking. Vibraphone. Do you love it? Do you still love it? <laughs> this, this solo this vibraphone is mine. <laughs> I own you, vibraphone. When I was with when I was back when I was like 15 or 16 years old and I was working with Michael Andrew in Swingerhead. Uh, that's when to, I met you. No. Yeah. No. 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 Wrong. No. But that's, that's, that was, that was, I was, but that's older. who you were playing with. That's when exactly I met you. who I was working with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I remember like he used to introduce me and he, go, he used to go, Christian Tambor on vibes. And I'm like super into puns and like making things literal. So like whenever he would, say that I would like jump on the vibraphone. Like I would literally jump on the vibraphone. I'd be like, look, it, it's, it's me on the vibraphone. <laughs> and everybody else in the band was just like shaking their head. Like this kid has no future. Bless I his love heart. It. Yes, that makes yes. me so happy. Yeah, like, to think of 14 year old Christian jumping on a vibraphone and looking at everybody like get it get it I mean the, the the closest second to that was I did a jazz cruise that went through the Panama Canal and uh-huh. it we went through like the the Panama the locks yeah and so I had bagel in a bagel nope. a bagel with locks <laughs> in locks and so there's like this picture of me, like with the same face that I used to make, like, get it? I'm on the vibraphone. And like, it was, it was the same face of like, look, it, it's, it's bagel and locks in locks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
And I will say that it was like 20, it was like super cold out. And like all the people that were out on the deck of the ship, like experiencing the, like the lock experience yeah. were like trying to figure out why I was trying to take like a <laughs> selfie with a bagel and salmon on it. But um, it was worth it. It was worth it. That's good. It worth, I mean, yes. that's probably the most exciting thing that happened when going through the Panama Canal because it took forever when I did it. I was like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what's happening. Nothing. Like there's nothing actually to watch. Okay, cool. Like all the uh, the, the people from Panama, like 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 probably looking, going, ah, look, another guy doing the locks and locks thing. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually selling bagels and locks on the. Do- you don't know that, but they've sold right? it just for. Americans doing puns. They're like, you have to know how excited I was. I was so excited about that. You know, I was just like, <laughs> oh, is anybody? And see, that's what Instagram is now for me. I'm like, oh, see, get it? I mean, I don't know if you sold this Instagram account enough, Christian. Yes. I, I just, I, if everyone, if you didn't subscribe in the last three minutes, you're never going to do it. <laughs> you'll never, you'll never experience locks and locks. Oh my God. Uh, it's at Christian Timber Productions. Is that right? On That's Twitter? Correct. Or yes. I mean on Instagram? Yes. Uh, on Instagram, correct. For sure. And you can join his mailing list if you go to his website. Mm-hmm. Again, that's christiantamper.com. And you can download his CDs and you can stream him on all the things and, yes. and learn all his beautiful music because mm-hmm. it's really fab. And I'm so grateful that you are now officially part of the podcast. I I just, I'm so surprised. I mean, this came out of nowhere. <laughs> This came out of an Instagram live pressure situation, everyone. Yeah, where I'm like, hey, hey, I want to be on your thing. Hey, how come I haven't been on your podcast yet? I'm like, oh, because I'm a terrible friend. and uh, Because we didn't ask you. But now that you've you've literally done it publicly, I guess I have to do it. But thanks, Christian. Now back to whatever we were trying to get done. Uh, yeah, God. let me begrudgingly put you on the books and have a conversation with you. Then I guess there it is. Oh Jeez. my gosh, uh, I'm Thanks so <laughs> happy to be sitting down and talking with you. I'm so happy to um, have you in my life as my friend, and mm. I'm really excited about all the stuff you've got going. So, thank you, Lulu. It's great to be in touch with you. I, I you, you really, you and Allison, and what you guys are doing, and oh, have, and just you as an artist, and just like your ability to do what you've done in your career is an inspiration to anybody in the arts, whether they're a, a vocalist or in the- whatever it might be. So I- I'm just glad that I get to bend your ear and that you've asked me to be a part of this podcast. So thanks for having me. I'm recording this. So now I'm going to use that as my ringtone. Every time mm. that you call me, just compliments <laughs> coming out of my phone. There every time you text, I can't wait. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll leave you now. Uh, thanks for being here and say bye to the peeps. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been a blast. Bye, y'all. Bye, that guys. was 10K Saturday with Allison and Lulu. And don't forget, with friends like us, who needs amenities? <laughs>